the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, good morning, everyone. I hope you're having a wonderful day. If you just tuned in, uh, this is Let Us Reason. I'm your host, Al Fadi. And as always, I am so blessed to have you as part of my team. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your partnership. Thank you for your support. And uh, we hope that you have been enjoying uh, the series uh, that we've been going through, which is uh, updates from Facebook. But also, most importantly, we hope that you've enjoyed this entire, uh, basically, podcast that has been on the air for almost now four and a half years. We're into uh, the, uh, I mean, I should say four years. We're into our fifth years right now. So with that says, um, today's topic is going to be about Quranic manuscripts, but uh, we're going to do just a generic uh, overview today. And uh, if we feel like it is uh, necessary to expand on this based on some of the feedback we will get, we will certainly do so. However, I uh, just want to remind you that you can always go to my YouTube channel, which is Sierra International, C as in Charlie, Sierra International. And in there, uh, myself and Dr. J. Smith have done a number of videos in a series that dealt specifically with the Quranic manuscripts, where we did a textual criticism of each of the early Quranic manuscripts. And here is, here is what we mean by early Quranic manuscripts. Whenever you hear me say this, or at least you come across it in an article or a book, the scholars usually mean that it is the, the Quranic manuscript that survived the first 200 years after the time of Muhammad. So that means we're talking about 7th century and 8th century. Now, let me give uh, some of you an overview of some of these Quranic manuscripts, but without getting into any of the details. You know, uh, you have, for instance, something called the Sana manuscript. It's palm cyst. What do we mean by that? We mean that the palm cyst is a uh, piece of parchment or leather that has more than one layer of writing. The Sana manuscript has two, basically. Why would it have more than one layer? Because the, they usually will erase the older one and rewrite over it. You know, typically it's two layers, give or take. So the Sana manuscript was discovered in 1972 uh, by accident. When they, uh, the people in Yemen, in Sana'a, Yemen, uh, at the Great Mosque, they were doing some restoration and remodel project and came across a false ceiling, an attic, if you wish. And in there, they discovered thousands uh, of perishments. And initially, the uh, Arab speakers didn't even know what was, the, uh, what was that. I mean, that, that tells you something, by the way, because the Quran, initially, when it was written, it was written in a, uh, basically not in a common Arabic 
classical Arabic way you write it today, nor that it has diacritical markings to identify how to pronounce words. So uh, the people who looked at it didn't recognize the alphabet, the letters, or the words, nor that they would have been able to even pronounce it correctly. And it just happened that there was a German scholar by the name of uh, Hurt uh, Poem and his wife Elizabeth. Uh, they were part of the restoration team. They took a look at it and they can recognize right away that those are ancient and then further study revealed that those are Quranic manuscripts. And as they began to dis- study them, they discovered that there are indeed two layers of these Quranic manuscripts. The uh, lower layer, the one that was erased, and the upper layer, the one that is visible. Upon further studies using the ultraviolet lighting, uh, they discovered that the lower layer contains passages that differ or uh, do not match, if, I, if you wish, today's Quran. What do we mean by today's Quran? Today's Quran, the standard Quran, is known as the 1924 Kyrene edition or Kyrene canon. Uh, why is it Kyrene? Because it was canonized in Cairo, Egypt. That was 1924. Keep this in mind. Muhammad declared himself to be a prophet according to Islamic resources in the year 610 AD. He served as a prophet for 23 years, died in the year 632. And it wasn't until after his death that the process of compiling the Quran as a written book began. Uh, You know, uh, um, but be it as it may. Uh, Even with that, the Quran did not become what we call as an official standardized copy until 1924, known as the Kyrene edition uh, or standardized copy, and which means it took about 1300 years, give or take, you know. So this particular one, like I said, they discovered the lower layer does not match in about 70 plus locations. The current, um, uh, you know, Quran, the 1924 Edition and then the upper layer also has its own variation. So technically speaking, if somebody wants to make a case, you can say there is three Qurans. Today's Quran, 1924, and the upper layer a different Quran, and the lower layer a different Quran. Now, granted, they're not complete Qurans; they're portions, but you can still identify which passages are they and where they differ from the 1924 copy. Now, why is that significant? Uh, because our Muslim friends are under the impression that today's Quran is the exact replica of the Quran that was revealed to the Prophet of Islam during his lifetime, and it is the exact replica to the Quran that was compiled in writing after his death, and it's more so, uh, even and most importantly, it's the exact replica of the Quran found in heaven. Any way you look at it, this is damaging and problematic. Another uh, copy of early Quranic manuscripts, this one is almost complete, it is known as the Topkapi Manuscript, the Topkapi Manuscript. Many try to date it to the late 1st century, meaning towards uh, between mid seven, uh, between 750 uh, to 800, uh, and others early 2nd century from 800 until 850 A.D. So either way, either way, it is written in Kufic script, and therefore, right there, you can argue that it is not the earliest simply because Hijazi or Mayal or slanted writing is considered to be the earliest writing style. This came after. Uh, the belief is that it contains 99% of the current text. However, it does have more than 2,000 variants, meaning it does not match today's Quran, the 1924 
edition. There is another one called the Samarkand Manuscript. The Samarkand Manuscript, which is found in uh, Samarkand, basically in Uzbekistan or Tashkand area. And uh, it is a second century, um, basically, uh, I should say, eighth century Quran. And as a result of this, uh, still cannot be claimed to be a complete Quran. It does not have all of the Quran. It only contains portions starting from uh, the beginning, almost the beginning of chapter two to uh, a part of chapter uh, f- forty. I believe it's 42 or 44. Uh, my memory fails me at the moment. But uh, nevertheless, the Quran has 114. The Quran has 114 chapters. So therefore, this Quran, uh, by any stretch of an imagination, does not contain the entire Quran anyway. Not to mention that it was written in a Kufic script. That indicates it's not the earliest one. There is another palimpsest, also known as the Parisino Petropolitanus, in reference to Paris, by the way. This particular manuscript is written in a Hijazi script, which is an alt for sure, and uh, is found among Quranic fragments that were kept in the Al uh, Amr Masjid uh, uh, or uh, the Infostat, basically Egypt, and um, uh, basically was kept there until the end of the 18th century. And scientists have dated uh, the manuscript to belong to something around late seventh, early eighth. Okay, but still, uh, it, the earliest so far is the Sana manuscript uh, compared to this one. Um, and there are many other, of course, uh, early Qurans. Uh, for instance, we have something known as the Blue Quran manuscript. The Blue Quran manuscript, this is a 10th century Quran. Uh, you have uh, that uh, another, um, you know, very well uh, basically illuminated and uh, uh, um, has diacritical markings and uh, has uh, vowel markings known as Ibn al-Bawab manuscript, the son of the uh, basically uh, uh, gatekeeper, uh, I mean, if I want to translate it. And um, this particular one is written in the cursive style, cursive style, which is uh, technically speaking, that is a way advanced uh, style of writing. Uh, that would have been at least in the uh, after the 10th century. This particular one is found in the Chester Be- uh, Betty Library in Dublin. And this manuscript was written by an Arab calligrapher. Okay, his name is Abu al-Hassan Ali ibn Hilal, commonly known as Ibn al-Bawab in Baghdad. And this manuscript dates back to uh, almost 400 years after the t- time of Muhammad, so it is well into 10th, uh, uh, late 10th, uh, early 11th century. And then uh, from there, we start to get other very well-developed Qurans. The more the writing is developed and more diacritical markings uh, are shown in there, uh, the more, uh, the later the Quran becomes, basically. So the point we're trying to make here is this. There is no such thing as a very early Quran that is complete, meaning one complete codex that contained the entire Quran. That is a 7th century Quran, which is during the time of the Prophet or immediately after his death, that matches today's Quran. Again, why is that crucial? Simply because our Muslim friends are under the impression that today's Quran 
is an exact replica of what was revealed to the Prophet from heaven and an exact replica to the Quran that is found in heaven, which will be next to impossible to prove such a thing. Many scholars today, including Muslim scholars, by the way, raise a lot of wonderful questions, excellent questions about many of the parts of the Quran using these manuscripts, uh, uh, the manuscript evidence that they have in their hand. Keep in mind also, the Quran went through a number of compilation processes or collections. The first phase was during the first scale of Abu Bakr out of fear of losing the Quran because many of those memorizers of the Quran, because it was transmitted orally mainly during the life of the Prophet, only a few, a handful, wrote it down. But still, uh, when it came to standardize it, the uh, Caliph did not rely on those copies that were written down by some. Some of them were scribes of Muhammad himself. And they went through a, a one-year process through a, um, a committee that collected that Quran, but yet the copy that was made was never used as a standard copy to make other copies from it. It was just kept in a safe place with one of the wives of the Prophet. And then, uh, almost 20 years later, during the reign of the third caliph, the third caliph, and, and the first caliph, by the way, collected our fear of losing it because they were they, he was waging war against apostates who left Islam. That's why he was concerned about losing it. The third caliph, Uthman, uh, was also concerned because he began to receive reports that there is a tension that is rising uh, between his troops because simply these troops, uh, who are Arab speakers, uh, each was reading the Quran in their own dialect and it will sound a little bit different, meaning some words might sound differently or they are a uh, synonym of a certain word and therefore some were accusing the others that they were corrupting the Quran. As a result of this, he decided that he was going to standardize even the dialect and burn all other supposedly surviving copies, which we know for a fact he wasn't able to burn all of them because many variants continued after that process was done. As a result of all of this, we have two phases that the Quran was collected, but still we know for a fact from manuscript evidence that there were other variations that even survived the second collection. And till today, we keep discovering more and more newer manuscripts that will contain variations between the uh, original, uh, between today's 1924 Quran and those particular manuscripts. Therefore, if a Muslim likes to make an argument that today's Quran is perfectly preserved, they need to look no further than their own early manuscripts and compare it to today's Quran. It does not fit the bill and it contradicts this concept. Here are some things that we need to point out. According to Islamic own sources, the first phase when the Quran was collected during the reign of the first caliph Abu Bakr looks like they overlooked some passages and then the third caliph when he collected it discovered such thing. So here is a tradition in Sahih Bukhari, meaning in the collection of Bukhari Hadith, volume 6. Uh, it says the following, I found the last verse of Surat At-Tawbah, meaning chapter 9, uh, with Abi Khuzayma, that's his name, Al-Ansari. And I did not find it with anybody other than him. The verse is verily, there has come to you an apostle from amongst yourselves. It grieves him. 
that you should receive any injury or difficulty. The problem is this. This particular one, when it was collected, it required two eyewitness accounts, and somehow people just went ahead and included this, despite the fact that this gentleman was the only one and no one else knew about this. So could it be added? Possibly. How do you know that this person did not fabricate it, for instance? There were also a couple of passages that were missing, and they were added during the reign of the third caliph. And as a result of this, one must ask, are we talking about basically uh, missing passages that maybe they were not captured uh, uh, as a result of this? Uh, it doesn't follow from uh, basically the collector himself, Zaids, saying that he had failed to find uh, this verse, by the way, from chapter 9, in the possession of anyone else. Um, uh, all, all we're saying here is uh, that he made a remark that he had failed to find the verse itself with anyone else, uh, meaning that he failed to find it in writing. Okay, well, uh, that's a problem. At least this is one of the Islamic sources that try to defend the fact what he meant by couldn't find it with someone else. If the Quran wasn't found in writing, uh, that tells us that it was only uh, meant to be transmitted in reliance on human memory, which is futile. And to say that uh, you only found one person that knows it and you did not find others even in writing that mean the research wasn't done correctly because in this case you relied only on one source and one source alone now there are so many other problems of course with this issue but nevertheless all we need to know is that the collection of the quran contained so many problems for instance during the reign of the third caliph uthman when he decided to collect it based on a specific dialect, he went into an argument with one of the closest scribes to Muhammad. His name is Ibn Masoud, Abdullah Ibn Masoud. And Abdullah Ibn Masoud refused to hand over his copy to Uthman, okay? Refused to give it to him. And he considered it an insult that Uthman didn't even hire him to be in charge of this collection. And he hired a lad according to Ibn Masoud's uh, basically statement. He hired someone who was still a babe uh, when the Prophet was uh, still alive and Ibn Masood was the companion of the Prophet writing down what was being revealed. In other words, the one who collected it uh, officially didn't have a clue, uh, basically, and had to rely on others to share with him. And here's another problem. We know for a fact, even many Muslim scholars uh, agree, that Ibn Masood's own collection of the Quran ended up with 111 and some will say 112 chapters chapters versus today's Quran that contains 114 chapters. Why is that? Because he refused to include certain chapters. Why? He felt that certain chapters were not actually a revelation, were merely a prayer. And therefore, he thought the Prophet was praying those things on his own, nothing that was inspired to him or revealed to him by the God of the Quran. So right there, we do have a problem. Now, when we come to the rest of the Quran, uh, we find that there were numerous differences uh, of readings between the text of Ibn Mas'ud and the text that was put together by the collector Zaid. 
For instance, we have a list of things that we can point out to. In chapter 2, verse 275, for instance, it begins with the word, الَّذِينَ يَأْكُلُونَ الْرِبَى Meaning those who eat, uh, basically, or who basically uh, collect usury, okay? Uh, those who collect usury. Um, uh, you know, those who devour usury in, in terms of lending will not stand. Ibn Mas'ud text actually reads it differently. Um, he says they will not stand on the day of resurrection, the day of judgment. So Ibn Mas'ud's text added another clause, will not stand when? Will not stand on the day of judgment. Uh, what does that mean? Uh, does that uh, does this mean that it's okay basically to take usury because Sharia law prohibits this? Because it's saying they will not stand on the day of judgment, or it, does it mean really they're not going to even be judged? They will be thrown in the hellfire, you know? So there is many theological issues that could be raised here, and someone has to actually wrestle with those issues. Here is another example in chapter five, verse ninety-one of the Quran. In the standard text, whenever I say standard text, we're talking about the nineteen twenty-four Cairo Quran or Kyrene edition. It contains the exhortation for fasting, and it says, "Fast for three days." Fast for three days. Okay, this is uh, if someone wasn't feeling well, could not fast, basically, and it's uh, given them an injunction here. Uh, uh, to do, uh, I mean, uh, th there is uh, uh, an invocation, I should say, of uh, uh, the use of the name of Allah, and you can really uh, get out of this invocation by fasting uh, of a ransom, technically speaking. And Ibn Mas'ud's text says actually the following, fast uh, three days successively, meaning they have to be one after the other. But today's Quran says fast for three days, well, which means like I can fast today and wait another month and fast another day and wait another month and fast another day or wait a whole year or maybe even fast today and wait until the day I'm sick before I die and fast another two days. You know, big difference. We are violating commands here, technically speaking. So who's who's calling the shot? Ibn Mas'ud or today's Quran or, you know, Muhammad and uh, the God of Islam? So these are the kind of variations you will end up seeing. There is another scholar, by the way, scribe of Muhammad. His name is Obay Ibn Kaab, who also have his own variations. But at the same time, he even ended up collecting 116 chapters. Remember, today's Quran is 114. Ibn Mas'ud has 111 to 112 because Ibn Mas'ud discounted chapter 113 and 114 and even chapter 1 in some accounts. That's why we end up with 111 if you take 3 out or 112 if you add chapter 1 at least and keep 113 and 114 out. Obai added two more. He has 115 cha chapter 115 and chapter 116. Boy, are you telling me we're missing two chapters today? Or if you rely on Ibn Masoud's collection, are you telling me we've added two to three chapters? And who added them? You see... That's the problem that we're trying to raise here to our Muslim friends. The Quran today is problematic because it does not fit the bill with the historical records of the Quran from Islamic sources. Right there on the surface, it appears that the, today's Quran either added two to three chapters, which mean they were not revealed or at least were not endorsed by the Prophet of Islam or the God of Islam. So a man added them or you have missed two chapters, which mean man also decided to take out 
some of the passages in the Quran that could have benefited Muslims since it's a work-based religion. Anyway, you look at it, today's Quran, one can make a strong argument, it's a man made to the core. Why? Because it was a caliph who decided to burn other copies and dictate which dialect to be used. And then mere men in 1924 relied also on oral transmission, not existing manuscripts, to finalize what we call today the 1924 Kyrene Quran. And we can make an argument that it's either missing two chapters, according to Ubay's collection, or added uh, two to three chapters according to Ibn Masoud's collection. Anyway, we look at it. We ask our Muslim friends to take a closer look at their own early manuscripts of the Quran, examine them, and be honest with themselves to decide whether this is a perfectly preserved book or not. And if that's the case, you need to go to the Bible that has a mountain of evidence that we will spend another episode talking about it. Until we meet again, have a blessed day. J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.